Mitsubishi. What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Welcome back to the Crease Dive. Today is Friday, February 28th. And boys and girls, we are almost done the first month of the college lacrosse season. We set it at the beginning of the year. It's going to go fast. One, week, one month down. Jake, how you feeling? Uh, it almost doesn't even feel real. Uh, I mean, I know that like February is technically like one of the shorter, the, the shorter months, one of the short months the shortest month um it just it feels like february's flown by but i'm feeling good you know it might just be relative you can say everything's relative but i'm feeling good man i can't complain well no man i mean it's like like i feel like every single coach whether it's like high school or college like says like the same version of like the same speech every year like at the beginning of the season they they bring the team down they're like hey you know huddle in here boys you know everyone grab a knee you know uh you know put your arm around the other guy and it's going to go fast boys, you know, and, and you seniors, this is, this is the last chance you have, you know, this is the last time you're putting on these jerseys and, and you underclassmen, like you, you owe it to the seniors cause you come back for another year. And like, like, as you're like listening to that speech, it's like, yeah, like everyone's like, okay, like, like we get it. We've heard this speech. Like, you know, by the time you're, you know, a senior in college, it's like, we've heard this speech like eight times before, but it's true, man. Like even just watching it, it goes fast. So playing it probably goes even fast. I mean, you're dealing with like practices and shit, but flies by. And then all of a sudden you're, you know, 27 years old doing a, just speaking into a mic. So cherish it, you little bastards. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you really got to stay focused the entire time on not becoming old and washed up. You know, the, the key is to not be become old and washed up. Don't let yourself be that way. Cause don't get me wrong. Like it's, you know, it's fun to chop it up about lax. It's, it's fun to get on the mics, talk about it. Uh, playing men's league, Jake. I mean, I, you're, you're East Cobb lack the, the hogs. I mean, you guys are buzzing. That's right. You got it. You got a sick little, uh, sick little unit down there. But like, here's the thing. When you're playing men's league lacrosse, literally nobody in the world besides your own team gives a fuck. Like there's nothing better than like uh I'd say the best part about college across. Now granted, like I, I never like won shit at all. So like like I'd I'd guess like a championship is probably like pretty cool, but that would almost uh fall under this giant umbrella. The best part about college across is the bus ride home after an away win. Right. So like you guys are coming home, you're on the bus, everyone is like like everyone's everyone's vibing you guys are like setting up the party for when you get back and like you know like like when you get back like like people at school they might like depending on like what level you're playing at like they might care like in in, like a variance of degrees but like some people at school are like gonna be hype and you guys are gonna party and you're gonna have a great time like you win a men's league lacrosse game now like yeah like you and your boys like might go to the bar afterwards and like you might have fun with it, but then like you get home and you know, if, if you're, you know, if you got like a, a wife or kids at home and you're like, Hey, we won. They're like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like help me with the groceries. So it's like, that's the shit right there where if you're playing right now and you realize that we're already a month done into the season on granite, we do have a February 29th this year, right? It is a leap year. Yeah, it is a leap year. So people forget that it's a leap year. So we do get one extra day of college across. But if you're on that bus ride home tomorrow, just know 
that that you're not setting up parties after wins at, at men's league. No, not not a bit. Everyone's like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm so tired. You know, I come home from like a like a men's like we have we have you know practice where we dick around and stuff, and I come home and I'm like, oh, I'm I'm fuck, I'm kind of sore. And my girlfriend's like, oh, I, I want to do triathlons and I also want to play lacrosse. I'm sore all the time. It's like, Jesus, fuck. Like, just give me a break or something. I'm just out there having fun with the boys. But yeah, man, the, uh, I'm, uh, we get one extra day of lacrosse um, this year, every four years. So that's nice. Um, this weekend, though, was especially, uh, it, was a, it wasn't the best weekend of college lacrosse we've ever had, but it certainly wasn't the worst. Um, there was, there were some ups, there were some downs. Um, I think that my favorite part about February and a favorite, maybe, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong in these past few years, we've had many more weeknight games, um, which I have really appreciated because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you've done all your work for the day. You just want to sit down, maybe have like a sparkling water. If you're me, you know, I love, I love a nice Topo Chico before I, you know, while, while I'm kicking my feet up. Um, uh, you know, you, you get, you get, and you get to watch a nice lacrosse game. Like what's, what's fucking better than that. So I feel like we've had a lot of those this year and there's been a lot, um, or a lot more in recent memory and, uh, we've had some really good ones. So lots of thought, you know, you know, a couple things to touch on for the previous weekend for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the weekday game, like nothing for me is better than, that you know it's that saturday slate of games and i'm i'm sure that you agree but like it is nice to like throw a couple games in there i mean the, yeah. the weekday games are just so fuck they always are like we talked about it last episode where you know if you're a team on the road on a weekday game it is a uh you know it, it's a tough it's a tough task like you you still have some classes then you gotta hop on a hop on a bus um and you know we we almost saw it uh, last, so, you know, we're recording this on Wednesday, but we almost saw it last night with high point and Virginia, um, you know, where, where high point, you know, th- this one almost like a reverse, but in these weekday games, like you never know what to expect. So, you know, high point, they go to Virginia, um, you know, and they're getting pummeled a little bit early on and like, you're, you're like, all right, well, yeah, like, you know, they had to ride on the bus. They're probably a little slow. It's, it's been, you know, it's, it's a weird day for them. Then they start turning it on. Um, and Jake, I, I know that there's one guy in particular as High Point was turning it on um, that you have really found yourself being, being a fan of this year. Uh, yeah. So my man, Devin Buckshot, uh, redshirt freshman. Incre- incredible so I- name, by the way. And absolutely incredible name and a big boy too. I think he's uh six two two fifteen, which puts him in the Tahoga Nanticoke range. Um, it's everything. Everybody's either bigger than Tahoga or smaller than Tahoga. If you think about it that way. So we're just going to use the, uh, the, the Tahoga scale for the crease dive from now on when we talk about how big guys are. So Tahoga, thank you, um, for providing that for us. So he's, uh, he's about Tahoga size. So I, I would say that he's equal to, um, but the man has serious hands. Um, uh, they were saying that Torpy was, um, a little bit hesitant to put him into the into the rotation uh, this year, simply because I mean he's a redshirt freshman. He really never this is the first time seeing a college field, and boy, last night uh, he got a hot hand um, and really was he was really a problem. He's a great finisher around the cage, um, 
I mean, he hyped the boys up. He had a nice little buzzer beater right before the end of the third quarter. Um, I mean, Hypeway had UVA on the ropes. They really did. It's just that, you know, when it gets down to it in the fourth quarter, when the fourth quarter rolls around, High Point couldn't finish it out. They could not finish it out. And that's just because UVA, I mean, UVA is clearly the better team. Um, The thing is that they were able, I mean, just the way that UVA, you know, the, the Cavs do everything. They're so methodical. Their clears were way better. High point fumbled a bunch of balls in transition and tried to t- tried to take some, you know, some messy shots. You know, the, the classic, you know, your defense just played three rounds, of, you know, three minutes of defense, and then you get the ball over the midline. And then the first attack when you get the ball goes right to the cage and, and, and whiffs. You know, just stuff like that that kind of set, you know, there's, separates a, a, a middle-tier D1 team from a – from a um, you know a top tier perennial powerhouse, but awesome game to watch. Uh, couldn't have asked for a better game on a Tuesday, and I actually forgot it was on, and I turned it on second quarter, and what do you know? It was a fucking awesome game. Yeah, I mean it, it's t- like just a an unreal game from Devin Buckshot five and one, um, and it's just a shame to then get a little little outshone there by Michael Krause stepping in with five and two on the night. Um, you know, this is this is a Virginia team that now has a championship pedigree. A bunch of these guys have have been there. A bunch of these guys have rings. Michael Krause was a huge, especially in the tournament last year, just a huge reason for that. So if you think that, you know, Virginia was going to lose that game to Princeton on Saturday and then host High Point at home, a team that had beat them uh, in February last year and lose that game, you got another thing coming. So high point, valiant effort, Devin Buckshot. Also, I, I love the Dehoga scale. I think that's yeah. I think that that's a great you know like you look at a you know you look at a Michael Sowers and he's like a he's like a point six Dehoga, maybe like a closer to like a point five Dehoga on the on the Dehoga scale. Um, Definitely. But Michael Krause just says nah, like that's that's not what's happening here. I'll take this one, you know, and and Virginia has a few guys on that team that can just take over games when they need to, Um, you know, in high point, you know, they still have Asher Nolting and and it looks like they've got a good player there in Devin Buckshot. But when you have a team that loaded and guys who can kind of take turns being the ones who take over games, um, that's why I feel like, yeah, like the, the loss for Virginia to Princeton on Saturday it's a tough one, no doubt about it. But I think that Princeton is a is a real. Well, fuck. All right, let's just talk about this now. Because because now we'll have to go. Which is just that's a solid segue into I, the into the Princeton game. Well, because I guess we'll have to talk about it now because you know the one thing that I'm worried about is Princeton being this year's high point, right? Mm. So you know that coming out with a real strong February. Um, you know, but then, you know, it's, it's you're worried not, about them peaking too early. That's what yeah, it is. You're worried yeah. about them peaking too early. So, I, I mean, they, they had a couple monster games to start the season. Uh, you know, Michael Sowers is just, you know, he's a guy who clearly has heard that. Uh, hey, hey, boys, you know, hey, seniors, like this is your last go at it. Go, you know, For make sure. So he heard that spe- speech and was like, yeah, like I'm going the fuck off this year. Um, so I mean a huge win against the defending champs and I'm just a little worried that it's going to be like cuz if we don't see Princeton if we don't see Michael Sowers playing in the tournament 
by the time that he graduates from Princeton, I am going to lose my goddamn mind. Um, but yeah, what I was saying though is so, you know, it's a tough loss for Virginia, like obviously. Um, but you know, the fact that one, it was against a Princeton team who looks like they're on a, a bit of a mission, especially here in the first month of the season. And then two, the way that they had Michael Krause respond by just putting the, putting the kibosh on that high point, uh, little run that they had there towards the end of the game. I think that that response is like, okay, yeah, like, you know, they, they lost the Princeton, but like, it's, it's not, we don't have to start being like, oh, is, is Virginia done? Like, are, are they not going to be back? Like, I think they're right back on track now. Yeah, I, I totally agree. There's a couple things that you could say. You could say, well, maybe Princeton's, you know, doing the – maybe it's like everybody, everybody's just kind of chilling in February, right? And maybe Princeton's, you know, got the foot on the, foot on the gas way too early so they, you know, they could be trying too hard. A bunch of damn tryhards over there in their book reading Princeton. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's the case. I think that, uh, I think that Princeton, um, I think that Princeton, you know, I think that Prince, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx them because I want to see Sowers in the tournament. I think Princeton has a few more weapons than, um, we have given them credit for. I think that we've made this the Michael Sowers show when we should really be remembering that there's no I in team, Jordy. Um, yeah, but but as as Kobe Bryant once said, there is there is a me. There is a me, and you know, I, God, but he he really. I mean, it's not a one man show, and that's what we were shown on 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 Saturday. Now, whether whether they got whether they caught UVA off guard, and that would happen, you know, in a, in a different setting or, or next week, even, I'm I'm not really certain. Um, either way, it happened, and we have to take into account that. You know, Princeton. Yeah, I, I got to see him again. So you know, so I, I I, I, I got to see him up against the Yale. I got to see him up against the Penn. You know, I I need to see him in the in an I to. I got I can think I I got I need to know if they're not a one trip pony. I need well, to know. So that's exactly what I'm saying. Where you know I think that they're they're a real solid team, and I think that you know these wins are are huge for them moving forward. You know, especially. Um, you know, if things do get a little tight, but like once they get into that Ivy league schedule, like the Ivy is a goddamn gauntlet this year. Like you look at, yeah. you look at Cornell, like Cornell has come out of the gates with three really good wins. Now that 19 to 10 win over Albany to start the year, like we're still a little unsure. I mean, Albany put together a nice little win against Drexel, but like, you know, is, is that like Connor Fields, Albany? Not exactly, but still, it's a good win against Albany. Uh, they beat up on Towson, which like Towson's, you know, obviously having a down year, but still 17 to 10 is good. Then they beat up on High Point 21. So like Cornell is a real solid squad. Uh, Penn, a real solid squad, just beat Duke this past weekend. Um, and then obviously Yale knocking off Penn. So like, it it just it's shit for for Princeton because I think that this is the best that they've been in a while. It just so happens that the rest of the Ivy is just going bananas. And dude, how about let let's move that over to Yale, Penn State. Now that we're talking cool. about more Ivy teams, because I I find it hard. I know that we've been hyping. I know that we both said these are this is our, our national champion pick. I know that we've been hyping up Penn State, and I know that they deserve all of the hype. But 
but I'm not sure if we can consider them to be legitimate contenders until they beat Yale. Like, like, all right. So here's, I know that I'm going to lose you Jake on this one, just cause like, you're not a huge hockey guy, but like some people might might understand where I'm going with this one. Here I, here I go. Just tuning it out. Like they're not a championship caliber team until they beat Yale the same way that the Washington capitals, right? So like, the Washington Capitals and the Pittsburgh Penguins, like they used to lose to the Penguins all the time in the second round. So like the Capitals were like a joke, like they'd have like the best regular season in hockey history. And then they'd run into the Penguins in the second round of the playoffs. They'd get bounced and everyone's like, Oh, like Ovechkin's great in the, in the regular season, but like, doesn't doesn't play enough defense for the like, like Georgia whenever they get to a bowl game. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so like they'll, they'll have incredible regular seasons, but then they run into, so like for the longest time they were, the joke was, you know, that the caps were always going to choke to the penguins in, in the second round until they didn't and they beat them and then they won. So that's kind of where Penn state's at right now, where it's like, yeah, like you guys can score a million goals. You can have an unbelievable regular season, but you guys just lost, you know, that that's three times in a row. Now you guys had two losses last year. One was, to Yale in the regular season one was to Yale in the semifinals and now you play against Yale again and you you still you still can't and like with each loss against Yale like that just if they have to play Yale in the uh in the tournament this year that's a loss because like think about how built up that would be like in their own heads like I don't know I, I just think until they do beat them it's tough to be like yep like that's that's the team you got to beat uh, before we go any um, any further, is the Ivy League the SEC of college lacrosse right now? I I I can see the look on your face right now. You are you are right now. I'd have to say yeah. I mean, I know that that's gonna piss off a bunch of. Got to, it's it's, it's I, gonna I, make I, a lot I, of people I, mad. I know that's gonna make a lot of like. A lot of ACC people mad, but I don't know. And then, like, I don't know. You look at the Big Ten, and it's like, okay, you guys have Maryland and Penn State, but, yeah. like, is is Hopkins really all that good? I, I don't really think so. Is, is Rutgers all that good? I don't think so. So, Big Ten, Big Ten I'm, I'm putting out of the equation. ACC, I don't I, – yeah, I'd say that Ivy League is there now, especially because of the way that they do it with just – you know, you you think about the way that LSU was just dicking on people all season, and like that's that's the Ivy right now. So, I guess I didn't know if you're gonna if you were gonna agree with my take on there, uh, but I, I respect it. The other thing I was, you know, it, per- and actually, you know what? I'm, so, I'm, I, I I'm happy to piss off some ACC people. You know, there you go, there you go, there you go. And we love and we love Syracuse. We're big Syracuse homers on on this pod. Um, but it doesn't mean that we can't fire off a, a nice, a nice, well-rounded, uh, engineered take every now and then. But I embrace don't embrace debate because then you also have to. Notre Dame's also in there. True, Notre Dame's in there. Uh, <sighs> That's a tough. one. I mean, it's it's a tough one. You know, if Princeton proves to be, uh, man, uh, let me tell you who is having a tough season right now is fucking Dowson. <laughs> They are they are getting absolutely just run over by Loyola right now. Um, 
you know, the, the, speaking of tough seasons, man, you know, I, this Penn State, God, I, Yale has put together um, the most frustrating rivalry that had, I mean, this is going to be a, this is going to be a rivalry for years to come just because of these three games, just because of these three games, you know, everybody talks Penn state, this Penn state, that, and we've, we're guilty of it. We've done it. I feel like Stephen A. Smith right now. You're we're guilty of it. We've done it. Um, but we, we talked Penn state, this Penn state, that, and then Yale just came out and they were the better team. They Penn state was making mistakes. When do you see guys who move the ball around the field? Like it's nothing drop passes. You know, Amit, this is the, this is the hell, this is how good the, that Grant Amit is. He had an off day, right? Fake, uh, Chris Fake had him for like three cause turnovers and, and a couple missed shots. He still had six points. That's, that's absurd. That's absurdity. But, you know, man, going forward, like this is going to be a huge rivalry for years to come just because of these three games. Like, you know, Yale's like, hey, we're fucking here. And we are going to kick you right in the dick, right in uh, – it was in Panzer too. So, oh, God, that's a rough loss. It's, you know, it's, I, the more I talk about it, the, the rougher it is. Dude, and, like, you know, and the thing – like, again, we, we talked up Penn State a ton before because we love Penn State. We love the way that they play. We think that they're great for the game. And we – I mean, they're, they're, they're a top three team in the country regardless but it's just hard to be a team where it's like, yep, that's the squad to beat if you have a daddy. And right now, Yale is Penn State's daddy. Like, there's nothing you can do about that. Like, you know, like until yeah. you, until you can't you, argue with that. Until you beat them, Yale is Penn State's daddy. So, and again, like the, the only way to get rid of that is to beat them. So it's, it's not like, it's not like, you know, we're, we're out here talking unnecessary shit on Penn State. We're just spitting some facts. Like, you lose three times in a row with two of those losses being your – those are the last three losses for Penn State. And they're all yeah. pretty pretty significant. <laughs> that, that's your daddy. That really is. And this is funny. So, Ament was interviewed after the game, um, and he said that his first thing – so, they asked him, like – I mean, it's a pretty chippy matchup, right? You know, these guys really go at each other the entire 60 minutes. Um, and somebody asked him about him and fate. The first thing he said, you know, Yale is known for their chippiness and for their act antics, which was kind of news to me. I didn't really, you know, and I love that because I love no, like me not knowing what's going on on the field and then hearing about it from a player is fucking awesome because it just means there's so much going on out there that you don't see. And it's just, it, you know, it feels like an onion, right? There's just levels to it. And it's, I love that shit. Well, so so Matt Gaudet is probably, I would say, the biggest antics guy in the game, which makes sense because he's Canadian. So he's he, yeah, they they are they are artists. I when it I comes would to that. I would say I would say Gaudet probably sets the tone for that, and Love then that. Like, then you get like a kid like a Chris Fate, who by the way t- tucked in a goal in that game. So thanks for coming out. Um, but so then like you get a guy like like Chris Fake who you know again I I don't know the kid but there's a chance that he probably went to Yale just like sweet as could be 
And then he goes there and like their strength and conditioning program is wild. Their, their strength and conditioning coach is out of their goddamn minds because all these kids jacked. Look at their calves. Their calves are like they're ridiculous. Like their, their calves are, I don't even, I mean, they're, they're just, they're just trunks. So then they get to all these kids with these monster calves and then you got Godet just chirping away the whole time. And then there's like a little trickle down effect. So, you know, Chris fake was probably just a sweet kid, innocent as could be, he goes to Yale, all of a sudden he gets monster calves and he hangs around with Godet too much. And now he's just the biggest dickhead in the world. And Grant Ament is just like, fuck man, like get me away from these kids. Um, so like, and that's, that's a thing too. like, especially come tournament time. Right. And like, er, like every game is like, there's a little bit more emotion going into every game. Cause it could be your last game and you have to deal with fucking pricks like that, who not only are they pricks on the field, but they're getting an Ivy league degree. So you're pissed off about that as well. I think, I, I mean, that combination right there just makes Yale, um, I mean, that, that's why Yale's been playing in the national championship the past two games so, or past two years. So, um, but yeah, so you, you had mentioned that Ament had a, a quote unquote off day with, you know, what, one goal, five assists. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you who was supremely on this past weekend, and he's been supremely on this entire year so far. One, Mr. Christopher Gray or as Jake once referred to him as uh, Christopher Carolina Blue. Eight goals, one assist. And this, this one was a, uh, you know, this, this was the shit bowl. You know, th- these were your two teams clashing together, your North Carolina Tar Heels against your uh, Johns Hopkins Blue Jays. By the way, two teams uh, with four words in their names. Mm. So I, that's... I, it's, I mean, it's a mouthful all the time. It really is. But Chris Gray, eight and one. You know, we'll have to ask Deemer Class about how Chris Gray integrates into this North Carolina offense. Yeah, I, I probably I probably should have mentioned that at the at the top of the episode, but you guys all saw the description of the podcast title when he clicked it. But we do have Deemer Class coming on in, in a few minutes here to talk about uh, you know all these kids just taking their defenders to the Shake Shack a little later in this episode. But yeah, go go ahead because Chris Gray is you know he's he's one of the first in lines at the Shake Shack so far this year. I mean, I mean the the kid is the kid's unbelievable. Um, you know, to go from, and, and I'm, he, he has exceeded all expectations, but you know, at the beginning of the season, I was like, you know what, he'll probably have a, a 40, 50 goal season. You know, he'll, he'll be, he'll be ordinary. Right. But the kid is anything but ordinary, you know, at, at standing at five foot seven, he's got better vision than probably everybody on the, on the field. Um, he knows exactly where to be at any point in time, any situation, and, you know, if you watch him play too, he rides hard. And that is, you know, as a coach, that's uh, hate fucking coach speak. But like, you know, you, you love that in attackmen. I think some of the best attackmen out there are the ones who are just the greasiest riders. Um, and it's not to say that, you know, Hopkins didn't, you know, try to string some things together. I just, there's, there's a bunch of guys on that team, maybe some competing personalities, but um, I, I, I think that they just, stood against a, a better North Carolina team and North Carolina say, you know, North Carolina is here to say, um, I'm, I'm not really all that worried, uh, about them going forward. 
Um, that's they're de- they're not a team that I think that's on the fringe. I think that they're a team that they need to see. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what they do in the tournament. I think that they could win the. I think they could win the ACC. Yeah. Um, ACC, right? Well, dude, like real quick, like like shout out to to Ryan Poley at Boston for for finding Chris Gray. Like I yeah. I, I remember we we had him on the show uh, last last season. Um, would love to have him on the show again this season, but we've we've had some difficulty with uh with 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 UNC getting getting guys on, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but I, I forget exactly what his uh his recruiting story was, but the fact that BU was able to get a kid like this, uh, but you know, and and you know, obviously, you know, he went there wanting to help build a program. So like, I'm, I'm sure that he had like a few other offers out there, but for BU to find this kid and to put him like out there to get him to a point where, um, you know, coach Bresci was like, yo, like I need this kid on my team right now. Like shout out to that. Um, and then, yeah, like obviously Bresci just <laughs> coming in with a, a GM move of the year. Um, and, and like they have yeah, it no all kidding. Like, yeah like no no kidding man like, like that's what a pickup talk about an acquisition yeah right absurd like Bresci deserves a, a lifetime extension for that one um but like not only you know so so they're getting it done offensively obviously you know chris gray already with 27 points this year nikki solomon georgia boy shout out uh already right. 22 points this season tanner Co- i mean uh, you know, William Perry, who I, I thought was, you know, Billy Perry was just one of, one of their like best snipers last season. Um, you know, he's, you know, he's only got six points on the year and granted it's, it's, you know, four games into the year. So, I mean, six points in four games is still pretty good, but like, you know, he's like lower on the list of their offense. So like, obviously they're getting it done offensively. Um, but then Kate and Johnson in cage for UNC, like he had, a uh, he had that one that one rebound save from his knees uh, in in this game against Hopkins. Like, dude, now granted, we we've mentioned this before. Their first three games of the season: Colgate, Mercer, Lafayette. Not like they're world beaters in that one, but still, every single one of those games they held their opponent to under ten goals. This game against Hopkins, you know, Hopkins. We're not really sure exactly how good they are, but they're still one of the better programs in the nation. Like they might not be, you know, they're not a top ten team, but they're one of the better programs in the nation. Held them to ten goals. So, like the defense is getting it done, and then the offense just pulls away from teams. Um, so as soon as they have themselves a, a nice little lead built up there, it's going to be tough for anyone to kind of chip away back because, like you know, if, if you've got a score two or three goals for every time you give up a goal, this isn't a team that you're really able to do that against. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about the schedule and, you know, I guess that I, it's my hope that UNC doesn't come against another team that's, you know, had a little bit tougher go in the beginning of the season. They don't come out and they're like, well, you know, they, they get, you know, down three or four goals. They're like, well, go up, boys, pack it up. It's time to go home. There's a lot of teams that do that. There's a lot of teams that, you know, they, they're, they're great uh, against a, a Hobart or they're great against a, uh, well, Hobart's top 20 team now. Um, but you know, you know what I mean? They're great against the, you know, 
an Colgate LIU, or a, yeah, a, Col- yeah. a Colgate yeah, or something oh. like that. And then, and then when, the, and then, you know, against uh, maybe a middle, you know, middle of the pack team, they're like, you know what, we're down three goals. All right, boys, start the bus, you know, start warming the bus. Let's go fucking home. Um, Real quick. Hobart, so like I, someone called it, like someone shouted them out in our yeah, in yeah, our, yeah, yeah. That's why, that's why I thought about it. I was like, that person's gonna tweet at me, <laughs> but dude, that is now three straight games to start the season putting up over 20 goals for Hobart. Um, so they, they're playing against Syracuse this weekend. We'll, we'll talk about that Syracuse Army game in just a minute, but Hobart. So I, I was like, a, I was a little when, when someone shouted them out in last week's podcast, it was like, okay, yeah, against like. You know, but still, you put up three straight twenty-plus goal performances. That's a, a weapon of a squad. Um, but yeah, my bad. Keep going. No, I just, uh, I was just, I was like, you know, that person who tweeted about Hobart is me at me is going to get mad at me if I shit talk Hobart, and I won't because I mean they're a top twenty team now, so I can't. You know, doesn't make any sense for me to do that. Um, I mean. We are, you know, we all. <laughs> well, yeah, let, let's, let's talk then about that, um, you know, because Hobart will be playing against Syracuse this weekend. And Syracuse, so again, this one's another one of those ones where it's, it's tough for me to say that the Ivy is, is the SEC because the ACC is still loaded. Um, Jamie Tremboli and Drake Porter putting the team on their back, going up against the troops and – like th- this Syracuse team right now is there's some dogs. It is. It they is. Are, they are some dogs. It's bad, bad news for the fire Desco crowd right now because they, oh my look, God. they look like they are legit. Maybe even some would say too legit to quit. They are an absolute wagon. If I've ever seen one, um, it's crazy what the addition back of a premier midfielder in Tucker Dorvik and an awesome attackman like Chase Scanlon can do. And, you know, really the unsung hero of that Syracuse army game. And I think of this season so far is Steven Rafus. Steven Rafus is a creator right? He is one of the, he is your attackman that is going, you know, you put three guys out there who are absolute snipers and finishers. They're just going to fucking sit on their thumbs the entire time. But you add somebody like Steven Rafis, who is a creator from behind the cage, from the wing, you know, and you get the, you know, he, he pulls a two slide and then Chase Scanlon is open for a step down. Like the, the, the hero of that play, you know, is, as much as I love seeing goals scored, you know, the hero that plays really Steven Rafus for, for putting in the, in the footwork. So, um, you know, I'm a, I'm big on Rafus right now and I'm also big on Syracuse. I think that Drake, Drake Porter, uh, if he's not at the top of the list for the PLL draft right now, I have no fucking idea what these other people are looking at because he played out of his mind. Um, he had a couple doorstep saves that were pretty ridiculous. Um, and he's also got the swag to match. So, yeah, what just, can you do? Imagine how much Mountain Dew he can buy with all that PLL money. We're we're talking pallets of Code Red. That's right. Maybe uh, even one or two. Oof. Um, but like, you look at this. You know, Army again, very very strong team. They came out, uh, you know, to start the year just shit pumping teams. Um, you know, and then they had that 
that tough loss to Maris, but you're thinking to yourself, okay, like they were on the road. Um, you know, Maris is a team that, that Jake, you, you know, you're not exactly like high on, but you, you weren't counting out and you were right to not count them out there. But it's like, okay, you know, you lose to Maris on the road on a Tuesday, like whatever, like still mm-hmm. a very strong team. Um, so for Syracuse to come out and play against the troops in a game where Chase Scanlon, zero points on the day. Steven Rafus, zero point creating, but zero yeah, points. Creating. On, creating, but zero points on the day. So like you see those two guys not on, you know, if you're just like looking at the score sheet, you know, like um, you know, you look at that and you just see Syracuse's stats, you're like, well, fuck, they must have got crushed. But no, then they have Jamie Tromboli who has been, you know, very steady this year. And, you know, when we talked to Drake Porter, he said, like, this is the guy who, you know, he's, he's always getting a little bit overlooked, but he's a four-year starter on this team. Um, and he comes out and he has five huge goals in this game to lead them to the win. Uh, and then you also get just, like, unbelievable play from Drake Porter and Nett. But that's another, you know, kind of like what we were talking about, um, you know, earlier with, you know, these, these teams like a Virginia – uh, that just have guys who can different guys who can step up each game and like kind of take that game over. And, you know, so even if you're not getting it from some of your other guys, you have that one guy who, who's good for it and they all take turns doing it. Syracuse is one of those teams. They have great goaltending and they have different guys who can step up each game to take over. And like that right there is, is kind of, it's the key to, at least being a tournament team or at least, you know, making a, a nice little run to the, you know, maybe to the elite eight or, or who knows, maybe even the championship weekend. So Syracuse has that, uh, that, you know, that equation going on right now. Yeah. I think Syracuse has the juice um, and we'll have to determine, you know, whether or not they have the sauce because, you know, the sauce is forever and the juice is just temporary. So while they may have the juice, they may not have the sauce. We might have to put that on a t-shirt. The yeah. Ju- the juice is forever. This no, the-, the juice is temporary, but the sauce is forever. You haven't seen that, that Twitter video before. It's a guy in Best Buy, like a Best Buy employee explaining that to somebody. I'll, I'll send it to you. Don't worry. You're, but you're, you're on more weird Twitter than I am. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've true. not, I've yours not seen is, that. Yours is mostly just talking about how the flyers haven't won a cup in 50 years. Well, it's changing this year. Um, all right, so a couple final games that we'll uh, mention here real quick. Uh, real quick, shout out to, to Notre Dame getting a nice 13-5 win over Richmond. Um, you know, Richmond looked, looked like a team when they were playing against Maryland that could really hang with the top dogs, not so much this time. Uh, the, main, the, Damn. the main reason I wanted to shout this one out, though, is because I did run into, so as some of you may know, I was in New Hampshire this past weekend for the Barstool Pond Hockey Tournament. And I, I ran into Mr. and Mrs. Garnsey while I was at the tournament. So, oh uh, my, yeah. So, so Ryder's parents in the flesh. So it's, uh, we were at Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire. So that's, that's right in Ryder's neck of the woods. And let me tell you, just two unbelievable human beings. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know where Ryder gets his potty mouth while he's, while he's trash talking in the PLL because <laughs> they're, they're way too sweet for that. But Ryder seems like a great it, the parents were just you could tell comes comes from from some quality folk so uh yeah great great to meet Mr. and Mrs. Garnsey 
we'll have to have that we'll have to have Ryder on the on the pod uh again sometime just to just to kick it we won't even talk lacrosse we'll just talk we'll just talk about stuff you know yeah. like what like what you eating these days you know what what you gaming on these days you know that sort of thing um I'll, I'll throw him under the bus real quick i heard that he was a big time crier growing up whenever he would like lose in like Oof. if if like his like buddy would beat him in, in shell or something like that or in any sort of video game i heard he was not a great uh not a great sport about losing so well that's where that competitive spirit comes from yeah you know <laughs> um, he's the only the only person i know who'd come back for the just to play in the in the in the playoffs you know that's fucking awesome yeah i mean you you love to see that competitive spirit and luckily the the tears have dried up a little bit though um shout out to merrimack they get their first win as a d1 program 14 12 over michigan um, but come on now let's let's not let's not act like they couldn't play in, in division two they weren't some you know bottom of the barrel team no but like when when you start off the year oh and three like so like they were they were i'm not listen i'm not this is i'm putting my foot down here i'm not handing out a participation trophy like merrimack was it was a very good team in d2 all the the difference between d1 and d2 in in comparative like size of the players is maybe like an inch and 20 pounds you know they they do a little more recruiting and they're just, you know just, competitive just one, one uh one eighth of a tahoka yeah just one and you know a point two five tahoga is like is really what the scale is difference in 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 d one to d two and of course every nerd on the entire earth is going to give me shit like whoa there's you know there's a lot more involved about the, you know this and that but like no i i don't i expected mary mary mac to come out and at least string together a few wins because uh, they okay were a competitive you know program. what Okay, I'm fine with that because yeah, now now granted, I mean, I feel like I, I'm saying now granted like all the time, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this part of it in. Like this is a little peek behind the scenes. I, I fall in love with these like little like phrases to talk about it. Um, like last year, it was like, and speaking of, and then I would go off onto another thing. Now mm-hmm. it's granted, uh, but granted, you know that that loss against Holy Cross, one goal loss. So it's like okay, like you guys have some jitters. Your first game as a D1 program. Uh, another tight one to Dartmouth, another tight one with Fairfield, but yeah, now now that I'm now that I'm seeing it all laid out in front of me, I'm with you there. They should have picked up this win earlier. But it is kind of nice. I don't know. I, I kinda like that the first one comes against Michigan because I feel like Michigan's one of those programs where like people are like like people are like waiting for them to be good. I'm not oh, yeah. sure. I'm not sure if they will get there. I, I'm I'm not sure if they get there either. But I mean, you can't like. I'm. I don't. I don't know what you know. It maybe uh, LIU Post would be a little, a little bit of a different transition. But like Merrimack just won two national championships in a row in Division Two. You know their their transition like that's a, now that is a good transition to D one when you just crushed two national championships in Division Two then you can step up at the into D1. I think that I think that that's a good transition. So maybe if you were a sophomore on that team and you're a senior now and you're in your your first you know your first year at D1, you're like okay, you're seasoned, you can play with some of that. So, you know, I'm I'm all in on, on Merrimack. And I think you know, I think I don't know what's going on over in Michigan. Uh I I do know that they got like new facilities and stuff. So like when you get new facilities, aren't you supposed to play better? Um you would think, right? One would think, but yeah, I guess 
I actually do like it, it would be like the way that soccer does it with like relegation and promotion and shit like that. Like if you win the bottom or like the lower tier, you move up. And yeah. then if, if you, yeah, if you come in last place. So it, it is uh, an ideal move for Merrimack to make that jump now. And it, it's been a little slower to get it going, but maybe this is what they needed to, to start rolling here. Like, let's just, let's just look at, at their schedule moving on. I mean, I mean, they, their first three losses were by two points or less. Yeah. So, I mean, Vermont, UMass, Lowell, Wagner, St. Joe's, Brian. I mean, I mean, it's not like a fucking. I mean, they got to play Yale on the thirty-first, but like, it's not. It's not like a. We're we're not, they're playing in the NEC, so like they're not. <laughs> yeah. You know, with the big dogs yet, but like they should win. I you know, I, I I'd love to see how they play against Hobart. You know, Hobart will probably put up another. Hobart, Hobart's just going to score fifty billion goals. Yeah, just that's a good strategy, honestly. The best defense is a great offense. I will stand by that claim until the day I die, um, as I'm keeping it low to high. Um, all right, uh, real quick. So before we move on to Deemer class, there was some potential shakeup in the premier lacrosse league in terms of uh as far as rosters go um again we're, we're recording this on wednesday so there's a chance that by the time this comes out on friday it would be uh either confirmed or vehemently denied but mike commodore some of you guys may know him some of you may not kami is uh He's, he's a, a former NHLer who has now turned into a, a total legend on Twitter.com. Uh, and, you know, especially around the NHL trade deadline, he's, he's always got his insider sources. So he decided to make the switch over to the PLL this year. Um, so on Wednesday night at Kami 22, the insider, the people's insider, he says that he had a scoop out here and it, it's time to announce a trade. He said, folks, Huge Premier Lacrosse League news. Miles Jones is getting traded for Sergio Salcido and a draft pick. Pack your shit, Salcido. Hashtag insider. Uh, now, while we're, watch, you know, while we're recording this right now, it seems like there are some conflicting p- reports getting out there. So, Kami, you fucking idiot. You fucked this one up. Your sources are shit. Um, you can pack your shit, but... If he gets this one right, then then we've got a, a brand new insider to welcome to Lax Twitter. So um, either way, Miles Jones for for Salcedo. The only thing that that I'm worried about is wasn't the PLL weren't they just really uh, pushing Miles Jones uh, jerseys? Yeah, they were. Uh, maybe that was a going out of business sale. Yeah, like when you go to. Uh, you know, you, you go to your sports store and it's like, hey, this guy who just got traded, you can buy his jersey yeah, like thirty. Like that would that yep. would devalue his jersey. Or, or, no, actually, I guess it would make it up because, like, you know, make it, the value go up. I'd be like the original Miles Jones jersey. I'm sure kids would love that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, but uh, Miles Jones had had just put. A, I, I saw this one on Lax Twitter. I, I don't do as much snooping around as, as some of you other guys out there, but I saw that um, Dan Arestia had, had found or had posted a screenshot of one of Miles's uh, Instagram stories, and it was just of a, a giant bear. Now, that could be of, of anything. Maybe he's just a huge fan of nature. Maybe he just loves 
you know, some, some grizzlies or whatever kind of bear that was. So maybe he just like saw that maybe he was watching bear grills and he was like, Hey guys, like this bear grills guy is a fucking lunatic. Um, let me show you that I'm watching that I'm watching bears, but I don't know. It, it just all seems to be some, something's going on there. So maybe Kami got this one wrong, but it is nice though. Like it's, it's nice to finally start to see some, some solid leaks in the lacrosse world. We, we've been seeing a lot of, a lot of these news releases, you know, being, uh, you know, all these stories being broke by the leaks themselves. I like, I like seeing people getting, getting out there, sleuthing around, getting some scoops. So yeah, they were playing. Everybody's playing it way too close to the chest. You know, yeah. I, I, I think fast my, and loose. Keep, yeah, more secrets, if anything, to be more secrets to be told, so that more of them can leak. If that makes sense, that makes total sense. Uh, but yeah, so we'll. We'll keep a monitor on that. It doesn't really make sense now that I think about it to be talking about it on podcast forum. Like this would make sense if we were doing like a live radio show. Um, by the time that this podcast comes out, could be old news and you guys are like, why the fuck did I just waste three minutes of my life listening to this shit? Well, you probably should have hit the fast forward button about a minute and a half ago. Um, but with that, let's kick it over to Deemer Class who is over in sunny California just laxing it up and we are going to be talking about some of these Dodgers who are just making lives miserable for defenders all across the nation. All right, joining us now, we have a former national champion, not a big deal, a current member of Chaos LC and also a current assistant coach with the USC women's program. So joining us from Beautiful Southern California. Must be nice. We've got Deemer Class on the line. Deemer, thanks for coming on with us this week. What's up, fellas? Excited to be here and really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, look, look at you right now. I mean, obviously people can't see it, but you're down there in, in Southern California. You got a nice tan going. Uh, a lot of us, especially here in the Northeast, super jealous of, of that. So, um, you know, you're down there now for your, what, your second year. So how's that been for you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's really been amazing. You know, I, I kind of came about, you know, this job and, you know, what an amazing opportunity to be in, be in Southern California. I, I live in Venice Beach, you know, travel 20 minutes to uh, downtown LA and, you know, year round it's between 70 and 80 degrees and it's just a uh, really awesome, you know, time to be able to coach, you know, division one, you know, competitive lacrosse in, uh, in such a great city and then kind of, you know, doing what I love on the playing side as well. So I couldn't ask for a better situation and I'm definitely very blessed. Well, we know you're a Baltimore guy or should I say Balmer because <laughs> that's how everybody has to say. Balmer. So as a ball, yeah, as a Baltimore guy, uh, how has the transition to the culture of Southern California been? Because it is just leaps East coast and West coast is very, very, very different. Are you enjoying it? Are you a little creeped out by all the, uh, you know, however, you, you know, all the wooks walking around barefoot in Whole Foods, or is it just something <laughs> that you can just kind of take a, you know, take it as it goes? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, like, you know, going to school down in Durham was an awesome change of scenes, getting some uh, time in, in the South and then spend a year in New York after graduating. So, you know, had the city life, you know, hustle and bustle and obviously the weather that comes along with it. Um, but then to be able to move out to the West Coast 
you know, the, the people are extremely friendly. Um, you know, it's a very relaxed environment, but being in LA you know, you still have a lot of people who are, you know, really highly motivated, you know, want to be successful. You've got a lot of different industries in Los Angeles and a ton of different people. So, you know, it's really an awesome, um, awesome environment to learn, grow, you know, develop as a person. And, uh, and then combining that with the weather, you know, it's just, you know, I, I love Baltimore and I love, and I miss my family, miss my friends there, but it's been really cool for me to kind of pick up and, and get to make friends and, and live in a whole new city on, a, on the other side of the country. So it's definitely really, uh, really helping me develop as a person as I, you know, kind of go through my twenties. Yeah. Well, you look at some of these teams playing college across right now and you know, the weather hasn't been like terrible, but still some of these guys are, are freezing their asses off in February yeah. practices and, and you get to just kind of hang out there in 70. So it could definitely be worse for you. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about USC a little bit later, but the biggest reason we have you on right now is what we're witnessing in the sport of college lacrosse right now is just a, um, I don't know if, if renaissance is a little bit too big of a word for me to be using, and I'm not sure if I'm using it correctly. But in it is. Terms, it's an absolutely too big of a word for you it's, to be using. It's a large <laughs> word. It's one of those ones where I'd have to like Google to figure out how to spell it right. But, how many S's are in renaissance? Ooh, I'm going to go with uh, three. You tell us. You went to Duke. Yeah. I think two, but like I'm probably 50-50 if I had the, the gamble on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well – yeah, I, I just said three because I thought that maybe that there'd be a sneaky one in there somewhere. Um, but, you know, what we're seeing with the game and the way that it's evolving, we're watching kids like Michael Sowers, we're watching guys like Chris Gray, and they're putting on these performances that um, the first thing that comes into mind is thoughts and prayers for the defenders because the way that these guys are dodging these days is just unbelievable. And I think – in, in terms of guys on the internet, um, you know, who are breaking down these dodges and, and teaching kids, you know, how to uh, implement all these dodges. I think, you know, what you've been doing over the last couple of years, you know, with uh, first class across and all the, all the work that you're doing on like Instagram and, and other, you know, social media platforms with putting these videos out, uh, you know, you have a lot of these guys and all these moves like pretty dialed in. Uh, so we just wanted to pick your brain a little bit right now on just why it is, maybe the worst time of all to be a defender in college lacrosse because these guys are coming for your ankles left and right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, first off, appreciate the words. And like I said, I'm excited to be on here. I think, um, you know, one, as a current player, as a former college player, um, you know, you just see the evolution of what kids in general are doing and the vast array of their skill sets. And then um, do even younger so college or high school you know i'm looking at pro guys and they're doing a handful of different stuff but now with like the rise of technology and things these guys are doing everything and more and you're right like between you know a a sours a chris gray um you know grant amen a jared bernhardt like these guys have so many different tools on top of being really athletic and smart players that they can really keep adding to their games. And I think you're seeing that like when you see Chris Gray score eight goals against Hopkins, you know, it didn't really look to me like any, um, any one or two goals were the same, you know, he's scoring goals from the top of the box. He's scoring goals off dodges, step backs. Um, And so it is really impressive 
Um, and then for me, like I love breaking this stuff down. So like seeing what guys can do and combine, um, it's really a special time, you know, and I think you saw that last year with the Pat Spencer, you know, um, who's obviously having an amazing, um, you know, start to his basketball career, um, you know, at Northwestern, uh, but very like multifaceted players who are well-rounded. And that's why everyone talks about multi-sport athletes, but you're seeing guys that are, that are doing it. And uh, it, it's really fun to watch. You know, I, I, the game has developed so much over the years, as you've spoken to. Um, I remember, you know, I graduated high school in 2010 and, you know, the stuff that we're seeing now in the game was, I'm sure it was there in some facets of the game, like the, like the AI step back, like that wasn't really a thing that you saw a whole lot, you know, 10 years ago, the, uh, the Mark Matthews toe drag. Now I'm not, I'm from the South. I'm not a huge box guy. I know that's a very popular box move. So, you know that, but that, you know, as soon as Mark Matthews started doing that, Every all these other kids started doing that. It promoted a little bit of freestyling. So my question is: Is lacrosse the ultimate copycat sport? Because these kids learn by seeing, and they're learning at a younger age. So is it the ultimate copycat sport? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great point. Like you know, especially um, you know, talking about like when I was in high school. Like I just tweeted about it the other day, but like I didn't have anyone that was like breaking down my dodging or shooting, right? So like, luckily in Baltimore. You know, I was able to go down the street to Homewood Field and watch guys like Kyle Harrison or Mike Kimmel um, or Steven Pizer, like, you know, absolutely crush it. And then, like I had Steel Stan like at my high school. And it's like, those are guys that are in my backyard. But like, not everyone has that. And now with social media, like when Mark Matthews, like I can remember that same toe drag highlight clip, like that stuff blows up. And now it's just every single week. And I think guys that have that athletic ability, it's like, why not try it? Like, why, why can't I do that? And I think that's when you see kids, you know, push the limits of the game, innovate. Um, and, it, and for me, it's like, as a, as a current player, like, I'm still pushing to develop my game too. So it's like, you see someone do something, you try and understand why it works, you try and understand how you can implement it, and then you go rep it out, right? And it's all about kind of putting in that work. And then, you know, there might be a time where you could shoot it normally, but maybe a backhand finish or, you know, a certain type of like, um, you know, in and out dodge is, you know, something that just happens. And that's when you're just playing at a high level. And so I think it's, it's really exciting to see. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I think, you know, we all belong to that generation of, you know, that like that post Mikey Powell era where like, you know, mm. you could like watch him on like, like watch those YouTube videos. So like, you know, when we're in high school, you know, we can watch a Mikey Powell YouTube video like before practice and be like, okay, like I want to try that out. Or like, you know, I can remember where I was like the first time that I watched a clip of uh, Shamel Bratton, like yeah. putting the stick behind his back. So like, you know, we were able to, um, you know, to see these guys do these moves, but then it was kind of more up to us to like be like, okay, like, you know, how did they do it? Why did they do it here? Like what? But now, you know, I think what you're doing, which is, you know, I think one of the biggest reasons why, like, you can go to any youth tournament in the summer now and see these kids, like, not only pull off these moves, but, like, pull them off at, like, the right time. Like, you're, you know, with the videos that you're doing, especially, you know, on Instagram, where you're breaking down these, uh, these moves kind of step by step and kind of explaining, like, hey, like, you know, why would I do it here? Or why, you know, why would I want to drag this dodge down like a couple more yards before, you know, pulling this one off. Um, 
now I, I want to know, is this something that you, you know, are these videos something that you started to do because like you, did you make like a conscious effort to be like, Hey, like we need to like teach people the right way to do these. Or is this just something like I'm a total ax rat and I, I love breaking this stuff down and it was just like a natural thing for you to start to do. Yeah. So, uh, so for me, um, you know, especially starting, you know, when I got into full-time lacrosse and coaching, you know, my big focus has always been on shooting. Um, and then, you know, when I thought about my college career, um, you know, redodging became like a big focus and kind of like building out this, this series of moves. And, you know, as I was, you know, just, you know, doing more posts on Instagram and trying to just keep spreading the word about, you know, shooting and this and that, um, you know, I saw these couple, um, these couple basketball accounts, like basketball trainers, you know, doing some similar style, you know, quick breakdowns, explain the moves. And I'm like, Hey, like, you know, this is quick hitting stuff. You know, I think you guys could probably agree, like, you know, sitting at a computer for, you know, an hour or two can be hard to kind of fit into our time. But like, when we're scrolling through, I can watch something for 30 seconds, get some good information. And then, Hey, like I'll go bring it out to the field. You know, that's something that like I had players that I train and, and different things like, Hey, this stuff's helpful. Um, different coaches started telling me and then I'm like, Hey, like I think I'm on to something here. So let's just, let's keep doing it. And then, you know, last year, um, you know, just kind of turning like, you know, off my name, like for fun, like some class and sessions. And like, I love the technical side of it. You know, I love understanding the why behind why guys do things. Um, and then just kind of watching and like thinking about like I had a football and basketball background as well. So like, you know, getting some of that crossover from those sports and then just kind of learning like how can I, um, you know, take these clips, analyze a little bit and then make it, you know, to where a nine or 10 year old kid can watch the clip and be like, hey, like, why can't I go try that? Right. And it's like that's where the creativity piece is so fun about the sport because anyone can pick, you know, if you're, if you got, if you can catch and throw and like you're out and about, like go try some moves, you know, like, and I think like in Baltimore, when I was growing up, it was very like stick to the fundamentals. And it's not that, and I think the fun part about our game right now is it's not that this stuff is not fundamental. It's just has a time and place, right? It has like a functional purpose behind different moves. And as a player, if you understand that, you know, behind the back isn't so flashy anymore, you know, a backhand finish, you know, gets your stick to the inside. Like, why do we step back on our dodge and then attack this way? And so that's where it's like, from me as a, from a coaching mind, like I always, I've always had that mindset as a player and now getting to break it down on video and try and share it to the masses, I think is a really exciting, you know, opportunity to try and like help grow the game. And, and this has kind of been one of the avenues that I've tried to do that. Now, do you think real quick that, uh, cause like there's still like plenty of coaches out there, you know, probably more so, especially like at the high school level that are still like, like overhand shot, like low and away, like yada, yada, like this and that. And it's like, I, I've, I've always felt with coaches like that. It's like, dude, like you guys have to like go out and like play a couple like beer league games with this, with like the new sticks nowadays because i feel like a lot of coaches that are like resistant to that style of play like they're they're just used to like you know like they grew up playing with like tennis rackets and like these you know these leathers that were all dry rotted and shit like that it's like no 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 like go out there use one of these sticks and realize like like you don't have to throw it overhand to be able to get it where you want it to go like you can go underhand and still place it wherever you want it 
Yeah, 100%. I think, and that's what's cool, you know, with for the men's and the women's game, the technology has really evolved in the pockets. Like I even was thinking about the other day, like, you know, with East Coast dyes and string king, like my freshman year of college, we were using like this wax mesh, right? And then like, it kind of gets really soft um, when it's hot out and then it gets like hard in the winter. And the same thing with like the old hard mesh. And so now it's like, yes, like the technology and stuff has really evolved. So you can do more as a player. And that's, I think the battle for any coach is to, okay, like try and understand like what your players are capable of, like to commit to like developing different skills, but like at the same time, you know, I kind of believe like we got to have like some kind of method and like something that we're building towards because yes, like you can shoot overhand sidearm underhand, both hands technically uh, maybe you got a three quarter bouncer, but then it's like when you have a lot of options as a player, which do you choose? And like, why do you choose it? And so that's like, you got to kind of sometimes have to pull yourself back to where it's like, I think coaches harp on the overhand high to low because like they know that like you can put it on net technically like overhand high to low is like a bad shot, you know, and you have to be able to mix it up. And so that's like, like from a teaching perspective for me, like with coaches that I've had, like it's, it's not about like putting the handcuffs, but like there is a time where if I'm consistently like going off the menu, you got to pull me back and be like, Hey, like let's get back to some of the basics. But like, as you build up that confidence again, like, yeah, you got to take some chances. You got to drop your hands here and shoot around the defender. Um, you got to throw a leaner and kind of look the goalie off as you're finishing. And like, that's the, the progression and development that players go through. So it's on coaches to kind of, I think, encourage that. I totally agree with that. Um, I'm going to have to ask you to do a live breakdown right now uh, because so We've all been we've all been enthralled with the story of Chris Gray, right? So Chris, you know, you go from a, a less than prestigious program, not a le- okay, yeah, a less than prestigious program in Boston, Boston up, University. Up they're not a peren- up and coming, right? They're not a perennial powerhouse. Okay, I can say that with confidence. They're not a perennial powerhouse, and there was a lot of people. There are there were a lot of people who were concerned about how Chris Gray was going to integrate to a new offense. Like, is he just the guy who put up 118, you know, 100 and oh my God, what was it, 118 yeah, points like, or something, something yeah. like that, uh, just playing against pancake teams, or was he the real deal? So, I want to know from your perspective why you think Chris Gray integrates into the North Carolina offense the way that he does, because there's a lot of guys that you could take from one team and put them on another and they would not, they would not be the same. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, so like I, I did a little breakdown last year of Chris watching him at, uh, at Boston and, you know, he's got a lot of speed, you know, he's a strong, strong player, like physically, so he can handle a lot of pressure from the D he's got great vision. Um, he's pretty two handed, right? So like that kind of is a great starting point to where, um, he can really facilitate and distribute. Um, now take him at UNC, you know, give him a ton of weapons, right? UNC year in, year out. I'm not saying that Boston didn't have weapons, right? He put a ton of points up on the board. But now you got like, you know, a lot of UNC consistently like top recruiting classes, high profile talent all over the field, put the ball on a stick. And now it's like, it's even harder to just quickly slide um, to Gray because you're leaving guys 
that can step down from 15 or you're leaving guys that can, you know, they got some really slick Canadians that can handle some balls inside. So it's like, now your now your decisions are a little tougher. And that allows someone like Gray, I think even more power to, um, to facilitate. And then like on top of that, you know, the, the dodges and the goals that he was scoring like off of two man game off of step backs. Um, he showed one against Hawkins where he catches quick split off of like a hitch and then rolls back and gets to the net, like the range and the two handedness he's displaying makes him really unstoppable. You know, like a lot of players have tendencies, Right. Like I could say that about myself, like, you know, I want to get to this spot on the field or that spot. Um, but like watching Gray, like from doing it from so many spots, it's like it's so hard to scout that. Right. And then like as a defender to be prepping all week, you need to get reps at the top of the box. You need to get reps on the wing. Yeah. You need to get reps from X, like with a guy who's so dynamic that you might not have a player on your team that can really like give you that great scout look. So he's just such a tough cover. Um but I just – I really like watching him because he's so poised with the ball on a stick and he lets feeds – like he holds on to the ball like that extra half second to like let that cutter open up down the middle or on the back pipe. Um, so it's it's impressive to watch. Yeah, I, I'd be so – like showing up to practice one day and someone's like, okay, Jordan, like your, your practice squad, Chris Gray today. I'd be like, well, fuck, I'll <laughs> – I'll try. Like, but at the, at the same time, like, you know, cause I always remember from my, my time at Duke, like, um, and, and even sometimes like, you know, at USC, like when you get to be someone else and scout, you kind of coaches are kind of like, yeah, you got the, you got the keys to like throw behind the backs. You got the keys to like, well, we would always scout Denver. It's like, all right, all the lefties are going to get underneath and we're going to get to get to throw shovel passes. And I'm like, heck yeah. Like this is time <laughs> to work on that work on my game. Right. Cause like, if I'm playing like Duke offense, like we're stepping away and throwing it with our outside hand, but like, you know, Denver guys are throwing twister passes and I'm like, sweet, like let's have a day boys. Like, so <laughs> it's, but definitely like, it's, it's hard to emulate for sure. Yeah. Um, well, so ho hopefully the answer isn't Chris on this one, just cause we just talked about him for a little, but like, who do you think right now, if, if you had to pick one, maybe two, um, of the, uh, the coldest Dodgers in college lacrosse right now. So I'm talking about guys who like, mm. they're getting to spots where it's like, come on, man. Like I know for a fact that you could have got a shot off right then and there, like you didn't need to throw that extra dodge in there to make your defender look that silly. Um, so like who, who do you think are guys right now that are maybe just a little, a little extra rude? Um, when, when it comes, <laughs> I, mean, I think the, the, the biggest one, and I had some fun, like going through his clips, uh, this past week, but you know, Michael Sowers, I think is, you know, everyone's talking about it, but it's true. Like he's on a different level. You know, I had some people, you know, giving me a hard time last week when I made some co comparisons to Mike Powell and like, I'll stand by that in terms of there's no one else that I've really seen besides maybe like Billy Bitter, um, you know, a couple years ago that are like really stopping on a dime, you know, and changing direction that are really like have this quick stop start, but then these like subtle twitches, like with your upper body that like gets that defender to like jump and like over the back of the net. And then you bring it back the other way. And like watching Mike like do what he's doing in his senior campaign is like, it's a really special time to like be able to, to watch and observe. And like, you know, last week when he put up 14 points, um, was it Colgate? Um, I think in the middle of the week, it's like, all right, like, let's see that against UVA. Well, he dropped seven points against UVA and three of those are like unassisted goals. 
Um, and he's hanging guys on the back of the net. He's stopping on a dime. Like he finishes in front, like he makes tough plays, takes hits. Like, you know, he, he is a, a filthy Dodger. And, Dude. you know, one, one kind of move that I think like, you know, I tried to coin this like over the summer because it's like interesting to watch, but uh, I like calling it like the stick shift where you like stick and you shift your momentum. And he did it against Colgate, like, which was probably the most disgusting dodge I've seen in a while where he kind of like, he kind of stands up in his frame a little bit. And then he like gets like a hard two steps and then like stops on that front foot and like steps back and then like rips his stick through like the closest thing I've seen in a while to like an Iverson crossover. And like, that is like, there's one or two clips out there of like Mike Powell doing the same thing at goal line extended. And like, that is like extremely difficult to do while like convincing someone you're going that opposite way. And like seeing him do that is just like, it's really impressive. Um, yeah, I think, he had, a, person, I think he had a poor uh, SSDM stuck on him behind the net when he, when he pulled that one. So yeah, that, right. And like poor the kid. thing is, is like, oh yeah, like sure. Like that's a short stick D midi or like maybe someone was like, oh, that's an offensive midi. Like fine. But like then when you turn around and you do the same thing to like, you know, similar stuff to like, you know, six, four defensemen, you know, UVA that are like top defense defense recruits in the country. Like, yeah, sure. He, ha- he got the best of that guy that day. And like, he's going to have a ton of other, big time matchups throughout the season, but he has those capabilities and like, that's why it's fun to watch. But then he also knows the balance of like when to move the ball to his teammates, you know, and it's, he's not a, not a selfish player. You know, he's not sitting there doing that for 45 seconds to where it's like, all right, like, sure. You got one, like good job, buddy. Like, it's like he catches the ball. He's doing this stuff within five, six seconds. And then he turned the corner and scoring. Yeah. Uh, before, before I cut you off, you, you had another one you were going to, Guess yeah, the, the other guy, like, and, and I haven't seen, like, um, as, as much of their tape as I'd like to this year. Um, I caught a couple early Maryland games, but um, even just watching the tournament run, like, for them last year. But, um, you know, Jared Bernhardt is a freak athlete, and, like, he's someone who I think is going to have a great pro career, and he has this, like, really good understanding of, like, changing his speeds, like stepping away. Like he creates a lot of space when he steps away. So like defenders have to lunge and like get to his hands and then he can reattack. Um, and so he's like very bouncy. Like he's someone who like, you look at him like, like a Pat Spencer almost like where it's like, you, that's a guy it's like, okay, like whether he's five ten or six two, like he's dunking a basketball, you know what I mean? And um, it's like, he's someone I think is really fun to watch. Like I think young players can really, um, you know, gain a lot from watching and studying his game and his poise with the ball and how he can change direction. You know, he was a quarterback in high school. I know he's, you know, talked about playing football. Um, so, like, he's another one that I think, you know, and I think Maryland, like, doesn't always have, like, a ton of flash on offense. Um, but, like, they do a great job of, you know, really making the right plays. And he does all that within the realm of their so it's fun to watch. Especially special athlete. I think, you know, these, these dual athlete guys, these dual sport guys are the next wave, to be honest. You know, like, and, and everybody's saying, you know, they can't wait to see Pat Spencer come back to, to lacrosse. But I don't know, man. He could get paid playing basketball. So, like, if you want, he could go play in the Euro League. Like, he could, he could go do whatever he wants, man. He's a, he's a really freak athlete. Um, I love Bernhardt. I love the way he plays. Uh, I'm going to totally switch gears here. Um, 
we've talked about it on the pod before, but you know, the, the chaos has, I think, uh, the highest ratio of, of gold chains to guys, uh, in the entire PLL. So do you, I wanted to know like, what, what, it, like, do you guys get a group discount at Tiffany's or like, is it just something that you guys have always done and everybody kind of reps their own individual thing? You know, what's, what's that, what's that about? Cause I know Ficaro rocks one, uh, Miles Jones rocks one. I mean, is uh, Jared Newman, like there's a, there's a, there's a big thing. Is it like a, like a, I don't, I don't know. I've, yeah. I mean, I, I can say for myself, like, you know, I didn't always or really have, have a chain, you know, growing up. Um, but like, seeing like you know jake and miles you know swag with the chain and like it's like i don't want to miss out you know like i have some fomo a lot of times and like when i'm playing with guys like i'm like all right like i'm gonna go get a chain right and like i got like you know my like cross here and like it's a lot thinner but like that's a start and then like you know i have like a a gold one that's like you know from my dad so it's um it's not as long like it doesn't hang as low but like you know, I'm working on it. So like, you know, I got year two coming up uh, this summer, but no, it's like, it's like one of those things, like you get, get your, like, you know, kind of like your team vibe, your team, like, you know, inside jokes and stuff. And like, that, that's why we all playing team sports, right? Like you want to be a part of that. So it's definitely uh you know, fun, uh fun thing to talk about with the boys. When, uh, when, when's coach AT going to get involved? I, he seems like a guy who would definitely be a, uh, like a massive pinky ring guy, Andy Towers. I could see like a like a big like pinky ring, uh, like whatever. What's the other finger? Like the ring finger, like like kind of like one of those square ones where they kind of it's like two like blocks. And oh like yeah. You could have an A T, and it's also like intimidating. Where it's like you don't want to get in the fight with that guy either. Yeah. Um, so big, I think like uh, gold bracelet with it too, just like. Yeah. And I, you know, I, you know, I know coach AT is a classy guy, but he likes to mix it up too. And like, he's got a lot of fun and, you know, a lot of energy. So it's like, you know, he can rock any look he wants and no one's going to say, no one's going to disagree with him either. You know what I mean? Well, Hey, I mean, maybe you can bring that, uh, that Southern California flair and just go, uh, bring the, bring the puka shell back. Yeah. I got to, um, you know, I got to really start thinking and game planning for the summer, you know, some, game day you know if i if i'm gonna spice it up a little bit you know if i can bring any any kind of cali uh cali vibes to the uh to the tour of the summer yeah i mean they they could use some uh they could use some alternate jerseys like the ecd guys had like the you know the uh the hawaiian shirts you guys could yeah you could totally do that with like a big scorpion on the side of it that'd be fucking sick i also um one thing that i just popped in my head when you said that is like why are tuxedo t-shirts, you know, only for like casual wear? Like I think a tuxedo t-shirt uniform for like a team that could be like, you know, like you're bringing like your team to the party. You know what I mean? Like, I think that could be a cool, whoever's playing in ocean city or Placid this summer, I think you'd get a pretty sweet, uh, you know, team tuxedo tees as a uniform. I've, I've seen that for men's league hockey before. And let me tell you, it's it's beautiful. It's a it's a great it's a great sight. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be. Uh, I would get a kick out of that for sure. I so I, I was listening. I was hoping that the uh, that the All Star game for the PLL last year would have been like denim on denim. Like I, I think <laughs> yeah, Canadian the Canadian yeah. tuxedo. Canadian yeah, tuxedo, yeah, great look. Ricardo rocked a nice Canadian tuxedo last year, uh, but my only gripe with that was that he didn't tell me, or we could have been matching. Oof. 
little, 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 little riff in the locker room there. Sounds like yeah, a little I'll, I'll talk to you about it, but I kind of like maybe going with like a cutoff sleeve, like a Joe dirt Canadian tuxedo mm-hmm. look. Um, maybe rock a, uh, rock a wig coming up the game day. Mm-hmm. Class um, it up a little bit. Joe Dierte. That's also Joe been Dierte. my Halloween costume the last two years in a row and it doesn't go wrong. Yeah, it's definitely a, definitely a fan favorite. Uh, well, hey, uh, we, we know that you're a busy guy, but before we let you get out of here, we were gassing up some of the, some of the players on the men's side of the game. Um, but talk to us a little bit about this USC team you've been working with. Like, who are some names that we need to be on the look at? Because like, with, with the mesh coming into the women's game, like, what these girls are able to do now is just pure filth. Um, so who are some of the names? And, you know, we, we could either stick to just USC or if you wanted to give, you know, a little, you know, gas up some, some other players around the nation as well. But who are some players that we need to be on the lookout that are just absolute highlight factories? Um, yeah. So I, I think like one, it's, it's been really awesome. Like working with our, our girls at USC, like, you know, working hard to get better. You know, we started the season off four and oh headed in the bye week So uh, back to work, trying to, you know, find things that we can you know keep tuning on our offense. But um you know, if you check out on uh, on Instagram, you know, Kerrigan Miller is one who, you know, scored a couple behind-the-back goals this year for us. Um, you know, Izzy McMahon, Kelsey Huff. Like, um, we definitely, like, what's been cool about our team, though, is that we have, you know, seven or seven to nine players that are contributing, you know, working through, you know, our offense. So um, trying to get a balanced attack, but, uh, you know, definitely have, you know, some girls that are, um, you know, been working hard on their dodging, hard on their shooting and stuff. So just hoping that continues to pay off. Um, and I think, uh, you know, nationally, um, there's not anyone that's coming to mind like right now. And like, you know, I don't need to talk about any other players, but there's a lot of great players like throughout the country. So, you know, I really encourage anyone who's truly a fan of lacrosse to be making sure you're watching the games on the women's side too, because like you said, like, the the skill the quick releases the mesh pockets like there's some girls doing some sick stuff out there um you see that at the wpl level it's at the college level so you know if you're a true fan of the game um you can be learning um from both sides whether you're men or women and learning from the opposite so you know there's plenty of people that are crossing over in both sports and so you got to be able to 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 learn from that so i think it's going to be exciting especially for young players, you know, boys and girls that grow up watching same gender, but should grow up watching the opposite gender too and, and have those good takeaways for sure. I think it's been really awesome to, you know, they, when I was at Georgia, um, our girls team actually won the, the uh, WCLA, like the national championship for the girls. And that this that group of girls was probably the best group of athletes. They were better athletes than we were, you know, you know, club ball and all, but you know, they were, they were way better athletes than us just casually. Right. And half of these girls, you know, probably could have played division one somewhere, but they were like, you know, university of Georgia sorority thing or whatever, but you know, shout out to them, shout out to the girls game. Like it's, it's really coming together and it's fucking sick to watch because some of these girls are way better athletes than I wish to be. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really sweet. And like, again, like I have three younger sisters, so it's been absolutely awesome for me to, to be involved on the women's side and, you know, to watch what, you know, players are doing all over the country is extremely impressive. So, you know, it's going to be a fun, 
you know, I think, you know, next 10, 20 years for lacrosse in general with, you know, the PLL, um, you know, the growth of the game out West, you know, we have our whole Pac-12 conference um, on the women's side. It's exciting to see Utah make strides on the men's side and pushing the game farther out West. So it's an exciting time to be a lacrosse fan. There's content everywhere um, from social media to more TV streams. So keep consuming that stuff. And I think more people will keep, you know, justifying putting more, more games out there and stuff for people to watch. Yeah. Look at that. Couldn't, couldn't have said it any better. Deemer, we appreciate you coming on and uh, yeah, man, just, just up that gold chain game a little bit. And next time we talk to you. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to our next conversation, but thanks for having me fellows. And uh, you know, wish you guys the best uh, throughout the spring. All right. We'll talk to you. Go Trojans. All right. See you guys fight on. Thanks again to Deemer for hopping on with us this week. Uh, it, it, like we've mentioned plenty of times before, it is a miserable time to be a defender in college lacrosse right now. Granted, I mean, some of these guys are beasts. And one of those beasts that we'll be seeing uh, tonight, actually, well, I guess this afternoon, depending on, on what you call that, but uh, the, the weekend gets going with Richmond, the Richmond Spiders heading over to Durham to take on Duke. This is a 5 p.m. game, a uh, little, little Friday afternoon, a little happy hour lax. The line on this one, the Dukies are favored by three goals, over-under set at 21.5. Jake, you've, uh, you, you've been banging the drum a little bit for Richmond, especially mm-hmm. you know after that double overtime game with Maryland. Um, obviously a, a tough one this past weekend with Notre Dame. How do you feel about Richmond heading into Duke? Now, keep in mind, it's still February. We, we still have I know. Like 48 hours left of February. Does Richmond get to, get to squeak one more loss out of February Duke? Ugh. Oh, man, this, one, this one's such a toss-up right now because on one hand, it's February Duke, and they just they have not been performing very well. Um, and then on the other hand, I mean, it's February Duke, and literally anything can happen on the field. You know, that Air Force loss, you know, the loss to Penn last weekend, which, I mean, Penn is a very good team. That's an understandable loss, to be perfectly honest. Um, Sam Hanley played out of his mind in that one. You know, I want to say that since we're, you know, it's the very end of February, this could be the game that Duke decides to get everything back on track for the rest of the season. So it's either going to be Richmond winning in a close game or Duke's absolutely steamrolling them. I don't think Duke is going to win the close game. Um, Now, you know, they won that close game against Denver. I just, if it's, if it's, a two or three goal game. I think that, that Richmond has it. Richmond's got a lot of talent. I'm, you know, Dan Chamati and that whole team has done such a damn good job. I just, ugh, February Duke. Now here's what I'll say. I think that Richmond is getting big time screwed here. The fact that this game is on Friday, the 28th, instead of getting to play against Duke on a February 29th because a February 29th game for Duke, that would be the epitome of February Duke playing on a leap year day. That would be, that's where we would get 
the most chaotic version of February Duke because we only would get it once every four years. Um, so True. if if this were a Saturday game, I'd say that Richmond goes there and, and they get themselves a win. But the fact that it's on the 28th, it's a Saturday, it's a home game for Duke, I think that you know coming off of a loss against Penn, uh, because, you know, again, we, we've mentioned it about a, a billion times so far, and we have to like keep mentioning it as much as we can right now because there's only 48 hours left in the month. But, you know, February Duke, they're good to lose some games this month, but they don't really often lose two, uh, two in a row. So the fact that they're coming off of a loss, I think that they will be uh, responding to that loss against Penn. Now, three will, will they cover that three spot i'm gonna mm. say yes I'm, I'm gonna say that this is a wow. big, i'm gonna say that this is a, a big time duke win i think that this is where you know because then what they they followed this up with a, a game against Furman. that's another chance to really get themselves rolling uh loyola could be a tough one but then you know jacksonville taos like this is where i think that we start to see duke Towson's not going to be a tough game uh, yeah, Towson guys, come on! You're killing us. We love you guys, but it's, it's we do. We, we love you so much. We love we love the drip. We love the jerseys. We love the me, the media team. But you just got to have the wins to go along with it, and and, yep. and, and they don't. Um, but no, I, I think that this is a game though that Duke. Uh, this is where it's like, okay, listen, we've heard enough of the crease guy that whoa, whoa, whoa talk much. Uh, we've heard enough of the crease dive guys. It's a mouthful talking about February Duke time to shut those two idiot bozos up. Let us just put a, a quick little dick slap in on Richmond real quick, even though spiders don't have dicks or do they? Who knows? I guess we'll have to figure that out on Saturday or later tonight. So I'm, I'm going Duke pretty, pretty large here. Definitely covering the three. Yeah, I, I would say so. I think that, you know, realistically, this is the game that they get back on track with. Um, you know, not to say that, I mean, they, they slapped high point around and, you know, they, they beat Denver, um, who's got some, you know, some pretty damn good players on it. I, I think this is the one that gets them back on track. I, I, I would take that too. Um, I wouldn't, I, I will not, now I will not rule out a very close Richmond win, but I think it's going to be one or two extremes. That's my favorite way to predict games. And like, that's like just, right, it's, the, the, it's the coward's choice. No, but it's, it's just so good though. Like the, like, this is what I think, but this could also happen like that. You cover all your bases there. And that makes, that makes the pod look good because if like someone like calls you out, like, like if someone were to call me out saying that Duke is going to just slap the shit out of Richmond. And then they're like, Hey, you guys are idiots. I could just be like, Hey, roll the tape back. Jake said he couldn't roll out a close one. So it's, it's a good way to cover our bases, uh, cowardly or not. Now let's head into the Saturday slate of games. Uh, and, and we'll get ourselves started with Notre Dame and Roger Garnsey and his lovely parents taking the trip over to college park. They'll be playing against the Terps. That is a 12, PM game, a little noon lacrosse action going for you there. Uh, and the home Terps are favored by one. This is a game that uh, this, this was an overtime, nice little overtime win for the Irish last year. Now, granted, and again, saying that a lot this time. Uh, now, granted, Notre Dame was home that game. So, you know, a home win in overtime, 
could we see the same thing repeat uh, this this go around? I mean, Maryland, they haven't looked phenomenal at all this year. Like realistically, there's a a real good chance that they could be one and three right now, four games into the season. I mean, I know that they were they were tight to start that first half against high point, but you know, by the time that that one was all said and done, that was a, a, a dick kicking. Uh, but you know, they had to grind out a double overtime win against Richmond. Uh, they had to have a massive comeback against Penn. Then they lost that game to Villanova, even though that that was a Tuesday road loss, but they haven't looked great. And now they have to face a Notre Dame team that seems like, you know, they've, uh, you know, they've got themselves clicking already so far with, you know, Pat Cavanaugh, just what, what's he, he's, he's got back-to-back Hatties to start his. What, what a family. What a family is right. Back-to-back Hatties. Actually, he has seven goals uh, on the year. So, um, you know, Pat Cavanaugh leading the way there. Uh, they still got Brian Costabile there. So, I mean, this is a team that they're, they're buzzing already. Um, but this will be their their biggest game so far. So the travel, I'm going to go ahead and let you uh, predict this one first. Well, uh, I don't know how, to feel, how I feel about Notre Dame. Um, I know that Maryland is an extremely strong team. Um, I'm going to take Maryland by five or six goals simply because I don't know what Notre Dame really looks like. Uh, I don't, we, we really haven't scratched the surface. Brian Costabile is a freak, uh, noted uh, he, he has been uh, – Drake Porter was on record saying that uh, Brian Costabile um, snuck a few by him in that game and he really wanted it back. So, you know, Costi has the, the name recognition, but we've also got a newcomer on the scene in Pat Cav. Um, I don't know. I th- you know, I think the Terps got it. I think they've got a much older and more experienced team. I, I don't, I don't know if this would be a, a very close game at all. Um, what's I, the line? What's the line on the game? So it is, it's a one goal. Uh, so Maryland minus one. So, uh, you know, Vegas lacks Vegas lines. They're, they're Vegas is, that's an, uh, who is, I'm, I'm going to, peep Notre Dame's schedule real quick because I I am see what I think here is that I I think you know back to back huge games for you know so we had uh Pat Cavanaugh had three and four against Cleveland State then he had four and one against Richmond I think that this is the this is the heat check game for Pat Cavanaugh yeah and I think And I think that because it's going up against Maryland and I think it's, you know, because it's going up against Pat Tillman, I think Tillman's going to come up with a way to, to force, you know, especially on the road at Maryland. I think they're going to find a way to force him uh, to start looking a little bit more like a freshman, force him to start making some, you know, some, uh, you know, some freshman mistakes. And, you know, if, if they're not getting a huge game out of him, you know, like like we saw Wheaton Jackaboyce have a big game against Maryland uh, last year, but you know can he repeat that? Um, you know, like you mentioned before, you know is Brian Costabile going to come a lot? Like I don't know. I th- I think they're going to find a way to make Pat Cavanaugh look like a freshman, which would give me that Maryland that Maryland win. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in the same boat there. All right. Well, yeah. So uh, 
So far, we are rolling with the Terps and the Blue Devils. Uh, here's one that, you know, we, we don't have to spend too much time on just because, you know, we're still a little bit uh, unsure of exactly how good these teams are, or, you know, or exactly how bad Hopkins might be. But uh, Johns Hopkins, they will be taking the trip to New Jersey to play against Michael Sowers and the Princeton Tigers. Here's the thing. Doesn't really matter this game at all. Like the, the scoreboard, the biggest winners are all of our eyeballs because Princeton versus Hopkins is always the best uniform matchup of the season. I, I know that, uh, you know, Hopkins and Towson both looked pretty good, uh, you know, earlier this year, but I don't know something about the way that the Princeton orange pops with the, with the Hopkins blue. Like it is just an incredible game uh, to, to see with your, with your eyeball. So it, it's a treat for all of us. But if, you know, if we're talking about uh, the actual game itself, Princeton here, favored by two so home team got hopkins on the road it's been a it's been a tough stretch for hopkins so like we've we've mentioned this time after time after time while we talk about hopkins they are the most consistently inconsistent team in college across so you know they haven't looked they didn't look great against loyola in that uh 10 to 7 loss they didn't look great against north carolina in that 17 to 10 loss now would almost be the perfect time to come out and just like put a whooping on Princeton, especially with the way that Princeton's probably feeling about themselves coming off of that win against Virginia. Um, so I'm going to go ahead at the very least. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to take Hopkins keeping this one tight. So I'm going to go with the plus two, but I am feeling a Hopkins win. Oh, that's, that's a, that's a pretty bold, um, it's a pretty bold prediction, but you uh, have to remember how inconsistent they are, and that's that's both with that's the good, true. that's with the good and the bad, right? Like they can look terrible and then look great. They can look great and then look terrible. Okay, okay. You know, I'm in. I'm in on that too. I would love to see them uh, string together a nice uh, a nice dub against Princeton. Um, but is Princeton? You know, I guess this is a good chance to see if Hopkins has the same inconsistent flair um, that they often do. And also this is a good test for Princeton. I think it's a very good test for Princeton to see, can they go against it? That's not even that. It's like, uh, you know, it was the UVA game a fluke. You know, if they, if they smoke Hopkins, then, you know, we got a different conversation. Yeah. The only thing though is as, consistently inconsistent as they are although although yeah and then also like usually uh you know usually hopkins in this game in this matchup against princeton every year they have jack rapine who can cover michael sowers because they grew up they played high school across together they grew up playing against each other so you know if there's anyone out there that that knows how to like you know he Every single day in high school, he was doing one-on-ones with them. So that kind of made sense. But Rapine's not on uh, Hopkins' roster anymore. So they lose that. Now they're going to have to go up against Sowers, who's on a warpath this year. So I think, you know, Sowers will probably put up, what, nine points minimum? So, fuck. I I think minimum. I might have just talked myself out. All right, I'm still going to go Hopkins plus two. 
but I'm not as confident that they win now. I, I think it'll be a tight win for, for Princeton. Okay. Um, I, I like a tight win for Princeton too. Um, I, man, I love, you know, the, the Jays are, Jays are my team, right? You know, I'm a, I'm a student. I have to, I have to show my loyalty, but at the same time, like I'm a realist, right? Uh, I, 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 I understand that not, you know, I'm a, I'm a realist in the sense of, uh, I'm not a, a rabid, um, what's the best example of a fan that every, everybody says it's, Oh, like this is the year. Um, Texas, Texas. Yeah. yeah I, I'm not a, I'm not a Texas person, right? I'm not a, this is our year. This is, we're back every loss there's some reason that there were that there was you know the the refs were terrible or it's a coaching thing i want to fire tom her tom herman whatever whoever the fight you know uh charlie strong was there before i love that guy no i have no reason why i just like him um you know just I, i'm a realist so i'd say prince in a close game is probably the, the way to go yeah so uh feeling that as well and Let's uh let's head over to my neck of the woods. Even though I'll be in Toronto this this weekend for another Barstool Pond Hockey tournament, but if I were back in Philly this Are weekend, you guys gonna fucking suck again? Uh, yeah, it was a tough, tough showing for the Barstool team. We uh, nothing like nothing like hosting a tournament and going o two and one on the day. Ooh, you need, you got a tie as well. I didn't know it was o and two. I thought you just you thought you just got smoked all the way. That's like that's like. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah. Well, dude, so pond hockey, it's, uh-huh. it's I, I don't wanna I don't wanna blame I don't wanna blame the ice. I I, I love Lake Winnipeg hockey. I, I think that Meredith, New Hampshire, it's a beautiful town. Um Mother Nature though is a real cruel bitch. And I know that both teams are playing on the same ice that so they had to deal with the same conditions, yeah. but we we just we were not used to playing on um, you know, just if if you are like your you city folk are are so Al, used Al, to playing on your nice little zamboni ice, Al Gore would have a field day with the global warming taking effect on that lake. So it it just it wasn't a good scene for us. So hopefully the ice will be a little bit better in Toronto. Um, and and we call can, up Drake, see if he can yeah. do something for you. Except then we have to play against a bunch of Canadians. So no, it'll be a terrible weekend for me. But if I were back in Philly, which is where I would rather be, to catch. Penn State taking on the Penn Quakers, the Battle of Pennsylvania. And this one right here, I mean, you have to imagine that Penn State hates the shit out of nerds right now, right? Like you have to imagine that they're going to this game. They're ready to give these nerds a bunch of wedgies. They're ready to, uh, to you know, give them some swirlies, uh, take their lunch money. Like they have to hate Ivy League nerds with a passion right now because they can't find a way to beat Yale. I think that they are going to take it out on Penn. And I know, I know that Penn has a great team this year. I know, you know, with, with Burke and Sean Cage and, uh, you know, the, the offense that they have, like, I know that this is, it's not a team that's ever going to get completely worked. Um, I, if Penn state is, you know, we talked about it in the beginning of the episode, can they be a contender if they have a daddy? Okay. That let's just, let's just say that. Yes. Let's just say that maybe, you know, they're, they're still right up there at the top, but you can't take them seriously if they don't come out in this next game and put 
a beatdown on Penn. And a beatdown's like five, five goals. I would, I would consider that a beatdown. One where it's like, you know, Penn wasn't like a couple bad shots away from uh, winning that game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. I, I, it, a beatdown doesn't have to be 17-8. It can be 16-11. Yes. You know, that's, a, yes. that's a pretty solid beatdown. No, I totally get that. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think Penn State is, uh, you know, we said like – we hoped, right? Like this was the start of their revenge tour against Yale. And it looks like it's, that's not going to happen. So, you know, what's the next best thing? The next best thing would be to, I don't know, uh, beat the shit out of Penn um, and claim your, uh, your home title. Like that, you know, if it's funny, don't they do like some of these like quote unquote rivalry games towards the end of the season? I thought it was much more an end of the season thing. And so they're getting this one out of the way. Um, I guess but, just because know, they have to do like the like conference games towards the end. Yeah, of the year, so. yeah, that's true. But, that's true. I wish they would do it like kind of, you know. Yeah, no, you know what? They can do whatever, they, whatever the fuck they want. Um, I love watching Penn play, and I love watching Penn State play. So if anybody is on the fence about what games they want to watch this weekend, um, I'm thinking that Penn and Penn State is probably. Uh, going to be a very star-studded game, and I would definitely watch that one if you're a if you're a casual fan like me, like Jordy, and you just want to watch some good lacrosse this weekend, I think that Penn, Penn State's probably going to be your best bet. Now, if we are wrong, don't fucking blame me. It's not my fault. Uh, I've been known to been wrong, been known to be wrong before. Um, but oh I'll tell you, I'll tell you what you weren't wrong on though. Your call that uh, to to really slam on the under of last week's oh, Penn State. for sure. So, I mean, you for saw that. For sure. I knew that shit. You saw that one coming a mile away. So, I mean, you're, you're seeing the board pretty well this year. I've, I've been kind of all over the place. Um, I don't think neither of us are necessarily doing great, but that was one. You, you sniffed that one out, a 12-10 win for Yale. So, a little, little disappointing. Um, this week's over under with Penn Penn State is set at 30.5 so another another big one um you know i th- i think that Penn's defense probably necessary like they won't give Penn State the same amount of fits and they also aren't quite in their head the same way that Yale is in Penn State's head right Penn State has won the past 3 maybe 4 against Penn. So this is, you know, this isn't a game that they're like really overthinking things like how the fuck do we beat these bastards? Um, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, the line here and again, it's Penn state on the road, even though, you know, on the road for Penn state, it's like, yeah, but like Grand men is a, a local kid. Uh, TJ Malone is a local kid. Jack trainer is a local kid. So it's like they're on the road, but they're also home, um, but still Penn State's getting minus one in this game, and I think that they, they come out, especially with those guys having a bunch of, you know, their, their friends and their buddies in the stands and, like, being like, hey, listen, we're, you know, I, I know that Yale's our daddy, but everyone else can fuck off. I think that this is a, like you said, a 16-11 game. So that, that puts it at the under. Um, I think 30 is going to be tough to hit, but I would uh, still, I would love to see as many goals as possible in this one. Me too. Uh, I think I saw that 30 and I was like, ah, ah, 
I don't, I don't quite know about that. Um, although, what was I mean? I feel I want to say last year's game was pretty big, but anyway, I'll, I, I'll I tell would, you what over to hammer, to absolutely hammer, and it is tonight, Friday night, seven p.m. Syracuse and Hobart over under oh, yeah. twenty nine. That's one where <laughs> go go to the bank, take out a loan, gamble responsibly. Uh, but you can you can throw it all on that over. Yeah, take it from Jordy. So if you get mad uh, that you bet your, um, you know, your child's college fund on Hobart and Syracuse, uh, you know, you can take that up with him. College will be free by the time that they're old enough to actually go. Um, but yeah, that that's Jordy's lock of the week is the over in Cuse Hobart. Um, we didn't really talk beforehand about a lock of the week so i i won't necessarily put you on the spot here um but if you can come up with one in the next two seconds we can we can talk about it but yeah other than that it's a it's a yeah you you do that and i don't know it's there there are a few there are a handful of really good games this weekend but it's not as loaded of a schedule as we're typically not typically used to seeing but we've gotten a little spoiled over the past couple weeks with some um just unreal games like you know a few really good games starting each hour this year or this week it's you know it's 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 a little drier of a schedule but still some some real quality games um you know we also have some some real good games going down on sunday so should be another great week of lacrosse jake you got a a lock of the week here um I mean, obviously, I think I think hitting I think hitting the over on the Syracuse Hobart game is going to be lock of the week. Yeah, you know um, what? For the first time ever, that is a, a a double lock of the week, double double dick lock of the week. I don't. We're gonna to have to come up with a better name for it. Yeah, um, that, that, that's that's not going to be acceptable. We'll cut that. Um, one. Yeah, we'll, we'll cut that one. Um, the other what I was what I was trying to confirm was my uh, my MCLA club ball game of the week. Um, we're going to go division two MCLA this time. So some, some lesser known teams, um, but still some powerhouses, uh, the university of Dayton, uh, versus St. Thomas. These are two MCLA division two powerhouses. Dayton has actually sent a fair amount of players to the NLL. For some reason, they have a bunch of Canadian guys, um, which I guess makes sense as you just, you attract that at certain schools. I, I don't know. What it is. I guess that's, it's Ohio. I mean, what a, what are the what are the coaches? I mean, what what is what do Ohio people know? Well, Ohio State know. gets a few of them, like a Logan Schuss I, or a Trey LeClaire. So, like maybe they just like get a little confused on their way down there, and they're like, oh, yeah, Trey Trey LeClaire. Oh, oh, um, sorry, sorry, didn't mean to end up in Dayton. So, sorry, sorry. I guess we I guess we might toss the rock toss the rock around while we're uh, uh, you know, I think that's right. No, we're gonna have to redo that. It says they lost. Wait a minute. No, sorry. I was looking at a. Uh, I was looking at a. They, they scrimmaged them at the beginning of the season. Uh, the MCLA website is just a horror show. Um, they scrimmaged them at the beginning of the season, so they're opening up their first game with a team they've already scrimmaged. So Dayton, St. Thomas. I don't really know what to say. I probably say St. Thomas. I have no idea if either team is good. Um, it's a two versus three matchup. I just I know they're both pretty good. So cool. Yeah. That's that's, that's your club corner. Yeah, I mean, listen, if, if there's one game that everyone is looking forward to the most this week, it is Dayton versus Correct. Thomas. So, um, Correct. 
I'm going to go, they're the Dayton Flyers though, right? Is, is this the same Dayton as the basketball school? Got to be. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if they're the Flyers, then I'll roll with the Flyers in this one. Um, also, I'll probably, probably take Dayton pretty far in March Madness as far as the basketball tournament goes. Um, but that's, uh, you know, that's for another podcast. So, yeah, another great weekend on the line here. And uh, as we watch it, we will be keeping it low to high to the day we die. We out. All right. Burn blue on the street, loose and complete under sky, so smoky blue green. I can't foresee a Dixie dead sheep, so it dance the sidewalk clean. My memory is muddy, what's this river that I'm in? New Orleans is sinking, man, and I don't wanna swim. Well... <laughs>